This week on Priority One, we trek out Star Trek Picard's possible series longevity, Sir Patrick's history with Star Trek, Mike McMahon's vision for Lower Decks, and what Simon Pegg knows about the next Trek film. Spoiler, it isn't much. In Star Trek Gaming, Star Trek Online goes to Red Alert, takes on rubber banding, and Star Trek Timelines announces its newest event. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 462 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, May 26th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 29th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Tony. And filling in for Cap this week is our dearest friend and social media manager, Anthony. I'm back. Woohoo! He's back! And in our audio booth is our chief engineer, Skiffy. Jolan True. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, each week I remind you that this production is a labor of love for all of us here at Priority One. No one pockets any money from the contributions made by our sponsors or by our patrons over at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Now, I'm an artist, and I recognize that no work is free. It takes time and it takes effort. What I'm proud to say is that every one of our members is a volunteer who believes in the production that we do from week to week. We have audio engineers that actually do audio engineering as their day job, but they come here to Priority One Podcast to dedicate and donate their time and talents to making sure that we continue to produce the quality content you've come to expect each and every week. So visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one and check out all the cool perks that we have to offer to our patrons who offer a monthly contribution. For instance, we record a completely separate podcast called After Hours. You can also be a part of our exclusive Patreon Discord chat channel. And speaking of patrons, we do want to welcome Sleepy John. Thank you, John, for joining our Patreon family. Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Delays are an inevitability. Even more so now during this pandemic. But with those delays comes anticipation. And sometimes opportunity. At least that's what Star Trek executive producer and Oscar-winning writer Akiva Goldsman thinks. Last week, Goldsman sat down with Collider to discuss Star Trek Picard Season 2, how quarantine has changed the timeline, and how the delays may be a blessing in disguise. 
Goldsman discussed those inevitable delays, telling Collider, quote, We were to start shooting in June, which I guarantee you we will not unless the world opens tomorrow. We had broken the season. We were about halfway through the writing of it. Prep will have to resume, and then we'll start. We know what it is, and it's cool. End quote. In regards to Picard's early dark tone, as well as COVID-19's silver lining, Goldsman explained, quote, I kept saying, they're reviewing the first act of a movie. The first act of a movie is always dark. If you stopped It's a Wonderful Life at the Bridge, it's a really dark movie. Because fundamentally, in a long-form narrative, it's a redemption story. It's a healing story. It has to be bad at the beginning so it gets good at the end. Otherwise, there's nothing to fix. So we're in this weird world now where we create one narrative object, but we dole it out bit by bit, which is fascinating and can be kind of fun. But what you really want is to be able to refine your setups once you've written your payoffs. If in fact, you could have the time to write 10 hours first, that would be amazing. And maybe we will, end quote. When asked how many seasons Goldsman foresaw in Picard's future, he responded, quote, I mean, I think we have discussed it as both a three-season show, a five-season show, and a let's-just-keep-going-forever show. Star Trek Picard, in my view, will go on as long as Patrick Stewart wants to do it. As I'm sure you know, he was not interested in coming back, and we did a lot of really good collaborative story-breaking and talking, and you know, I think he's particularly delighted in a good way about having come back and we will rely on that goodwill until he feels he's done." End quote. For the full interview, follow the link in our show notes. You know, I was reading a BBC article a few days ago about how, at least in the UK, production companies are looking to approach coming back to work. It doesn't seem as though there are any official memos or any official procedures, but I think that if you look at a production like the Mandalorian, for instance, on Disney+. Plus. I was shocked to learn that a majority of that series was filmed on a massive stage that was virtually covered in projections slash... They had a big TV screen. That was virtually surrounded by projection and green screen. Um, it was insanity. It was like they were playing in front of a massive yeah, television. it was a big TV. Yeah, it was an LED wall. So... When you think about green screen, when you think about this LED wall technology that the Mandalorian instituted, I could see how that could be beneficial for television production, right? You may not need as many people on set for atmosphere, or you may not necessarily need two actors talking to each other as closely as they might to capture a shot. So perhaps for filming, technology will be a good friend. Not for stage, though. They'll have to get creative for live theater. There is a group of filmmaking professionals in California that have formed a group that are currently writing procedures for going back to filmmaking in California. And I know that the governor of California has mentioned that he does want to get television and film production up and running. And hopefully, you know, he can get together with this group and they can come to some sort of procedures. I also know that other production companies. I have friends who are still working uh, or who who have been working up until uh, the start of this pandemic on, on film and television productions. And companies like Lionsgate have already released uh, new filming procedures and how they're going to move forward once they're allowed to go back to work where, wherever they are. And um, so I think that there's, there's definitely things 
going on in the background, getting ready to go back to filming. I would not be surprised if if California gets back to filming by July. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, I think it's going to be tough and it's going to be slow, but I think that they will get filming before the end of the summer. And uh, hopefully, you know, they can prepare as much as they can now and, and get, you know, season two turned around pretty quick uh, once they do get it filmed. The challenge is going to be for people who have already written things for the old way things used to be done. Maybe Picard will have it nice because they are they know they can write things. Okay, we can't have people like standing next to each other and you know uh, helping each other up a ladder. They're going to have to have two separate shots: one person going up the ladder first, and the next person going up the ladder after them. They'll have time to make those kind of adjustments uh, for shows that haven't been written yet. It's the ones that are already sort of have the scripts approved and have had the executives give notes on it. And now they're stuck with how are we going to shoot this when we can't have people in the same room together? Speaking of Sir Patrick, the Picard star had a candid interview with CBS this morning about his history with Star Trek Picard and his daily sonnets. When asked by CBS This Morning co-host Tony DeCoupel whether he always aspired to produce a series, Stewart said, quote, No, I was too naive too new at the game of serious television. And uh, I had so much work to do. I mean, I really, the first couple of years, I didn't have a life or a social life at all. We'd work five day week, 12, 13, 14, sometimes 15 hour day, especially towards the end of the week. And Saturday morning, I would allow myself a little sleep in, and then I would do my own laundry, which by the way, I still do. Stewart was frank about his early days on the TNG set, saying, quote, I lectured my fellow cast members about some of the fooling around that was going on on the set and the games that they were playing and the singing and the jokes and the ruining shots. And there was this horrible silence. And uh, it was Denise Crosby who said to me, Patrick, come on, we've got to have some fun. And I said, we are not here to have fun. I said that. And that became, you know, legendary quote. As I progressively got sillier and sillier as the series wore on. Finally, in regards to Stewart's charming daily sonnets, Sir Patrick said, quote, I had no idea what I was saying or what it meant, but there was something in the language. I love his sonnets, his daily sonnets that he's doing. I, you know, I love Shakespeare in general, and I love when he delivers Shakespeare. And uh, and there's just something comforting in in Patrick Stewart delivering Shakespeare on a daily basis from his from his home. It's it's interesting when you take it, or when someone who's studied the text and actually understands what it's supposed to mean gets a hold of it and actually reads it out loud because all of a sudden it stops sounding like a foreign language and starts sounding like somebody's old-timey uncle. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying, but now that you're saying it like that with the vocal inflections and with the with enunciations and the uh, stresses on the right syllables and the, and the words, he's, he's, he's classically trained, he's done it a million times, and when he just, like, does it like it's nothing, it's like, oh, that's easy! And then you try to pick up on yourself and no. No, it's not. Star Trek's first animated series since the 70s is set to air this year, and the buzz is starting to form around the upcoming Lower Decks. In the interview from our first story, Akiva Goldsman said, quote, Lower Decks literally couldn't seem funnier to me, end quote. But what does series showrunner and Star Trek superfan Mike McMahon think? Well, we've got that answer. McMahon discussed the series with Slash Film this week, explaining the premise and structure of the show. 
quote, if you're watching Lower Decks, you're getting a full Star Trek episode from the perspective of people who are having their own social and emotional stories and their own sci-fi stories, but they aren't just on the bridge. They don't have the information the bridge is getting and they don't have the responsibility, end quote. McMahon, who was the showrunner on the popular Rick and Morty, explained how Lower Decks isn't a Star Trek skinned version of his previous show, saying, quote, a big thing that was important to me was figuring out how do we comedically access these characters? How can these characters be funny and not break Star Trek? You can't just have a stupid person in Starfleet, otherwise it breaks the aspirational paradigm of what humanity is like in Starfleet. So our leads are foils for each other but they're very much ingrained in Star Trek, end quote. McMahon gave a little flavor to the series' main characters, explaining Ensign Beckett Mariner as, quote, kind of like a Captain Kirk if Kirk wasn't a captain and didn't have the power. Kirk would follow his gut, and she follows her gut, end quote. He later describes Ensign Brad Boimler as, quote, so by the book and so burdened by following the rules that he can't follow his gut. End quote. For more from the McMahon interview, be sure to check out our links in the show notes. Okay, I've got to respond to this. You can't have a stupid person in Starfleet thing. I seem to remember a short trek where they had a stupid person in, Star he, in Starfleet. I'm sorry. He was not stupid. He was misguided. He was very intelligent. He genetically modified Tribbles. That's a stupid people can't do that. He had, he he just, had zero moral compass. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no more, more. You can have those people, I guess, because they all seem to make admiral and then rebel against the federation. <laughs> Exa- yes, yeah. thank you. Because that's yes. better than yeah, ignorance there, yeah, there or stupidity. Go. Okay, fine. Well, no, because you can't you can't have a conversation about somebody who's stupid or ignorant, but you can have a conversation about somebody whose moral compass is off. Right. The the key here is what he's saying that you have to you have to be foils for each other. Has anyone read John Scalzi's Red Shirts? Pick that up. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's about the lower decks of this massive starship that, and it's all these entry-level workers who are just thrilled to be on the flagship of the fleet, and they're all kind of competing with each other and jostling for the attention of the senior officers and that kind of stuff. It goes off the rails into some sort of wacky metaphysical thing, but the setup is perfect, and that's what this is. And as long as these people are learning the job, you can be sort of incompetent, right? Because you're just starting out. You're not dumb. You're just, you don't know the ropes yet. You can compete with your your friends and like, you know, backstab them a little bit, you know, kind of like, haha, you know, I, I got the assignment done first and you didn't, haha. I mean, there's lots of different ways that people who are junior and new to the job can make mistakes and even compete with each other and still be in the Starfleet paradigm. Speaking of different paradigms, oh, poor Simon Pegg, how sick you must be of answering questions about Star Trek, but bless your heart, you keep doing it. This week, Collider had the honor of asking Peg about a possible upcoming movie that he knows very little about. Peg was asked what he and his castmates knew about an upcoming film, to which he replied, quote, If Paramount says we'd like to do another movie, I'm sure we'll all jump at the chance. I miss those guys, and I love making those films, but I just don't know. Noah Hawley's project has been mentioned, and maybe that'll happen. I don't know anything about that. So yeah, I'm in the dark as everyone else. I'm in the same boat as you guys, end quote. Peg discussed the more niche audience of Trek when compared to, say, the Marvel Universe, and offered, quote, The obvious thing to do would be to not go for that massive spectacle. Go for something a little bit more restrained in the vein of the original series. Yes, that would be a brilliant thing to do, and I'm sure it's probably been discussed. You specialize a little bit more, end quote. Finally, Peg may have talked himself out of a future Star Trek work, 
telling Collider, quote, Maybe TV is a better place for Star Trek now. Television has evolved so much, it's become something which is very much a contemporary, a peer of cinema. It's simply viewed in a different way. It isn't a reduced scope anymore. You can still do masses of interesting things, and it can still look modern and not inexpensive. Maybe television is a better format for Star Trek. That's where it started, you know. End quote. Yes. I mean, he's right. Television is a better place for Star Trek. But it's not the only place for Star Trek. I mean, we did have nine, okay, eight very successful and entertaining Star Trek movies before the reboots. So you're not counting Star Trek V? I'm not, no, I count Star Trek V. I'm not counting the motion picture and Nemesis. They're the two, the bookends. The bookends. I, I throw okay. away. Okay, all right. You just go for the, you just go for the meat in the middle. Mm. I think that we're to the point now where the cast has sort of moved on. Unfortunately, Anton Yelchin died. So they're, they're missing, they're missing, you know, a seventh of the crew. And we're getting, if my math is kind of right here, the first, the, the reboot Trek, the Kelvin timeline was in, 2009, if they started filming today, it would probably be at least two years or so before we finally saw the thing. So that'd be 2022. The original series launched in 66 and the Star Trek movie was in 79. That's about the same amount of time where we went from Kirk being the young dashing captain to him being desk bound and the old man. So we're going to have, we, this, this, we could have the reboot Kirk being the old man. Chris Pine could be walking under the bridge <laughs> with a walker now. But with CGI de-aging, who knows? Oh, that's true. That good point. Good point. I don't know if it's they didn't do a very good job with Brent Spiner. <laughs> well, or anyone they've de-aged ever. Finale Brent Spiner, I thought looked much better than Episode One Brent Spiner. That's not true, Skiffy. I think that there's been some pretty good de-aging. Samuel Jackson wasn't bad in Captain Marvel. Yeah, wasn't bad. Wasn't him. great. But but when they, but they also had millions of dollars. It was passable, but barely. Yeah. And they also oh, had millions I of dollars. It was much better. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. Do you think Star Trek is better suited for television, the silver screen, or is there a place for Trek on both? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to Trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. All the red alerts, all the red alerts, all the red alerts, all the red alerts, all the red alerts. Now put your shields up. I really think we should have practiced that and we could have done the background singing for you. We could have taken care of that for you. You could have. I think there needed to be more to that song because it kind of ended abruptly, unfortunately. If Operation Delta Rising, the Draenor Colony, and the Kittimer-class battlecruiser have taught us anything, it's the value of collaboration across different cultures toward our common goals. However, our less pleasant galactic neighbors have taken the hint and are launching a coordinated multi-front offensive across the galaxy. It's teamwork that makes the existential threat work, I guess. From May 28th at 8 a.m. Pacific to June 4th, 10 a.m. Pacific, captains on PC will be able to play all five Red Alert Task Force operations. The Borg Red Alert, the Alachi, the Tholian, the Zenkefi, and the Nakul Red Alerts. 
Players will receive the normal rewards for each playthrough, and each day's first completed red alert will also grant daily event progress on their account. After progressing through the event five times or five different days, players will be able to claim either a universal tech upgrade or specialization point grand prize for their account. The grand prize can also be purchased outright on a prorated scale relative to daily progress made in the event. Players who complete a red alert TFO each day after getting the grand prize will receive a dilithium ore bonus starting at 8,000 and increasing by 1,000 each day. Now, so that there is no confusion, captains, I want to stress this. There are five alerts! There's, there's, there there's four. Yeah, that's better. That's better. It's just, just the four. So the first question that I had, which it appears as though you do not gain any progress towards the event campaign. Correct. This is separate from the 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 ongoing year long event campaign where your end goal is a thousand lobby or two hundred lobby plus a tier six uh, coupon. This uh, is separate from that. This would be more like the winter event, which is a separate thing, or it's just a mini event to kind of. It is pretty cool. I do like the idea that there that you it's less time because you only have to do five days for this as opposed to the normal fourteen. And you get, you know, an ultimate tech upgrade or a specialization point. I think that's kind of cool to have kind of like a, a smaller condensed version of, you know, one of these progress events. So I, I think it's cool. I probably wouldn't normally jump in and do these red alerts unless I was looking for marks or needing marks. But to get some to get a specialization point, I would I would hop in and do that. Well, that brings us to our next community question this week. What's your favorite Star Trek Online Red Alert? Let us know why, and perhaps some of your favorite tactics. Let us know on our website, social media pages, or shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. From June 2nd at 8 a.m. Pacific to June 23rd at 10 Pacific, Captains on Console will have another crack at simultaneous Infinity R&D and Duty Officer promotions. As usual, during the promotion, R&D packs and Duty Officer packs purchased from the C-Store and opened will grant either an additional 10 Lobi Crystals or a special Requisition Choice Pack for a Tier 6 Promotional Ship Choice Pack. Getting a lot of choice packs here. There's uh, so much choice yeah, pack. A lot of it's a so choice pack. So, have a choice pack. The choice Come on packs. down. Let's have a choice pack. And this time, a new ship is making its console debut in the ship choice pack, the contentiously named La Serena Tier 6 Heavy Raider, as seen in Star Trek Picard. It's not contentiously no. named The name anything. is La Serena. It's simply La Done. Serena. Yeah, the one and only. The La Serena. You mean La one and only? I will... Boot you from this Zoom call right now, Ace. La one and only Serena? That's better. Sure, sure it is. I'll let that one slide. L, no. <laughs> La solamente Serena? Is that a little better? So it's not new. I don't understand it's how this is Because new. it's on console. It's coming to console for the first time. That's, that's Thank why you. Sorry, I missed that. Also coming to consoles from June 2nd to June 23rd, players can assault Jaula's moon-based shipyards in the To Hell With Honor featured TFO event. Just like it was on PC, this is a unique TFO featuring space combat over a moon surface map. Destroy Jaula's ships before she can join her fleet, and deal with unexpected guests provoked by Jaula's mycelial weapon technology. This featured TFO is part two of the four-part event campaign on consoles, with each day's completion rewarding 50 event campaign progress points. To see the event rewards, like the Dot .7 drones last seen on short treks, follow the link to STL's blog in our show notes. Picture this. 
you're tearing across the park in the Dyson Ground Battle Zone, like, or because there won't be a tomorrow. The Voth are almost done collecting Omega Particles, and you're the only one who can stop them. The V-Rex is in sight. You ready your orbital strike, and suddenly you're 50 meters away, running over the same patch of grass again. Suddenly, a Pikachu appears, and again, and again, and scene. You, Mon Capitan, have been rubber banded. Have been rubber banded. Have been rubber banded. Players' complaints about lagging in massively multiplayer online games are as old as MMOs are themselves. However, Star Trek Online has allegedly been a little more affected than usual. On Monday the 25th, the official Star Trek Online Twitter account shared a link to a SurveyMonkey poll, asking players to describe their recent experiences. The poll includes your general geographic location, proxy usage, internet service provider, and in-game locations you find particularly troublesome. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. Tell everybody to stop using Zoom. You're soaking up all the bandwidth. I know. I mean, I don't understand how online gaming hasn't seen a bigger impact than this, than Star Trek Online rubber banding. Jamal Taylor in the chat does say causality loops are a Trek thing. That's true. It's actually a feature of Star Trek Online. It's just just for immersion. (laughs) Speaking of not using Zooms, did you guys catch the article that was released uh, this week? about a team of people that started meeting in Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> yes. They would just meet around the campfire and they'd do their meetings there. I think that should be the new normal, is meeting in the video game. I know. I mean, Star Trek Online technically does have voice over IP in, included in the game, like hardwired in the game. Let's put the captain's table to use, finally. Yeah. Oh, finally a use for Finally yeah. a use oh for the God. captain's table. Next week, next week, we're just going to do the live show from the captain's <laughs> table. From Thursday, May 28th at noon Eastern Time to June 1st at noon Eastern Time, Star Trek Timelines will feature the Blundering Terror Galaxy event for the Federation, Ferengi Alliance, and Borg factions. No details for the event narrative have been released, but we do have the following key details. The four-star Professor Scott Scott. will be returning as a featured crew member, joined by the new five-star crew member, Determined Paris, and four-star Grebnidlog. Grebnidlog, for those of you whose rubber bands may be broken, is the captain of the Packled ship in the TNG episode, Samaritan Snare. As always, event crew members grant the highest bonuses. However, variants of Tom Paris, Montgomery Scott, and crew members with the thief trait will also make you strong and make your faction go. The winning faction may not attain the 24th level of awareness, but they will receive a new 5-star Kira variant crew member. 20th century science fiction author Kay Eaton, seen in the DS9 episode Far Beyond the Stars, will be a featured crew member in the next event starting on June 4th. Well, that's all the news we have to cover this week in Star Trek gaming news. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was, Would you like to see Jeffrey Combs play Dr. Boyce in Star Trek New Voyages? On Facebook, Michael Revitz writes in, Absolutely. Apart from being an outstanding actor, Combs is Trek alum and has a strong understanding of the source material. It's a shame he isn't in any of the new Trek and, in my opinion, is long overdue to sit in the captain's chair. 
I agree. He did have a stint in Star Trek Online in the Discovery Starter experience as an Andorian captain. Yeah, I would love to see him play an actual captain on the screen. That would be cool. Wait, was he not an Andorian captain in Enterprise? Yeah. He was. He was Shran. But, well, not a, not a Starfleet captain. He would have been in Season 5, though, according to the showrunner. From Facebook, Michael DeSorcy says, No, I don't think that the Discovery writers would have any idea how to properly leverage the diverse talents of Jeffrey Combs. The writers thus far have demonstrably shown that everything they know about the Pike era comes from the first 10 minutes of The Cage, so they'd probably have Combs playing a caricature of Boyce, constantly pouring shots, and making ridiculous psychoanalyzing statements about everyone around him. I'd rather not see Combs disrespected and given a terrible role. Wow. Michael, Michael's angry. It's a little vague. I wish Michael would have gotten right to the point on his opinion. (laughs) Um, But I I can understand that opinion. It's not going to be the Discovery writers writing it. I mean, there probably will be a couple of them coming over, but I I think they'll hire new writers. I think he has a little bit of a point. Let's hope that they really embrace the whole era of TOS instead of just the first 10 minutes of the cage. Yeah, Yeah, the legit concern is that one of the characters has to be sort of the comic relief, right? You know, they've got to have Guy, right? they got to have the security guy who's the comic relief. So, but uh, uh, hopefully they wouldn't ask Combs to be that guy. I do want to debate the point of Pike and how they kind of made up the character of Pike. I mean, I've watched The Cage and The Menagerie several times, and I think that Anson Mount's portrayal of Pike is pretty much along the lines of what we saw Jeffrey Hunter do. I mean... But And then again, on top of that, lest we forget that that was written in the 60s and hit, that Pike was kind of a dick and a misogynistic dick. And here, Anson Mount fleshed out the character. They wrote a fleshed out Christopher Pike, a seasoned character who has seen some crap and and is a better person for the experiences he had on Talos. This is like a, this is a familiar conversation to anybody that's had the uh, experience of telling someone who grew up or who was around in the 70s about the new Battlestar Galactica and how Starbucks a girl now and for some people they just can't get over it but the new Starbuck is much more fleshed out so she's a real person she's not just blonde and dumb like the original Starbuck the man was uh, you know it, it's having more time with the character and more lines and more characters to interact with I think gives the actor a lot bigger opportunity to deal with that kind of stuff. And Mountain did a good job. So that's why he's that's why he's coming back. From Instagram, Jamal Taylor writes, Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Boyce? Sure. We need to get back to the tradition of having familiar actors show up in unfamiliar roles and not just to be killed off. Our second community question was, are you interested in the new Muds Market time-stealing bundle? If so, what ships would you choose? From Facebook, Michael Revitz writes again, Yes, I bought the pack and I'm not happy with it. The Amari is a great account unlock. The rest is just filler for PWE to justify the price. I would have gladly paid $75 for just the Amari account unlock and would have been happy. I sense the other two ship slash tokens are only there so they can charge the $150 for the bundle. Also, great interview this week with Jonathan Del Arco. I really hope to see him in future Star Trek shows and back on the podcast. Live long and prosper. Thank you, Michael. We had a great time interviewing uh, Jonathan last week. It was a real pleasure and honor to sit with him and chat. With respect to the bundle, you know, last week, you know, I was quoting 
the United States unemployment rates, and how people may not be able to afford big bundles like this, I want to make it clear that I wasn't saying that Cryptic shouldn't find ways of making money, nor am I suggesting that they should be giving things away. I think that given what's going on in the world, I think all companies need to get creative in how they sell products like this. I think just across the board, they need to adjust to, you know, people who may not have the money or the means to make these purchases. Um, but that's not to say I don't, I don't expect Cryptic to be selling items. I just wish they would get a little more creative about it. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell writes in and says, possibly. A 50% off sale is nice, but I wonder if a future 75 or 80% off sale would be even better and worth waiting for, though no guarantees that it'll ever happen. I'd probably opt for the former lockbox slash promo ships if only to be able to get them account-wide. That is something to think about, is that sometimes those MUDS market items go on sale for 80 plus percent off. I wonder if that might actually happen with this bundle at some point. I got the sense that when this 12 or two week promotion was over, that it was going to disappear off the store like the legendary bundle did. No, I this is in Mud's Market. This will this will stay in there, but at the full price, probably for a while. Well, that wraps up episode 462 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley and Peter Archibald. And of course, here's a reminder of our community questions this week. Do you think Star Trek is better suited for television, the silver screen, or is there a place for Trek on both? And in gaming, what's your Star Trek Online red alert of choice? Tell us why, and perhaps some of your techniques to get through them. Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Cat, me, and the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Stowe players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, Visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. And even if you cannot make a financial contribution, the next best thing you can do is to spread the word about this show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard takes you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a star-fighting tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to our guest host this week and social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. 
Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, and associate producer, Shane Hoover, with support from Advisory Panda of the Priority One Armada. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Su no. Engage. Tony, why don't you do it? All right. This week on Priority, priority one. one. Oh, whoops, sorry. I thought you meant. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> and in the audio booth is Skivvy. Five star oh, crew I member. See. Professor determined... Scott. And then you're supposed to say, Great yeah, Scott. It's, it's, it, but yeah. you know what? Well. Okay, so, so Rocky Horror Picture Show, here. Scott Toilet Paper, Scott Brand Toilet Tissue, <laughs> Professor Scott, Great Scott. And then you throw the toilet paper. So there's the joke. I don't know but if it's boom. funny. Or if we should leave it in. Well, sight well, gags was. don't usually work on I was going to say, this is a thing you do in a crowded movie theater with lots of people. That's not in fashion right it's fine, now. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But I'm going to get the, I'm going to pull the audio for it's Great Scott of uh, right Back to the Future. <laughs> but it's not, a, are we doing a Back to the Future joke or a Rocky Horror Picture Show joke? Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Audio editors, take note. We're doing a Back to the Future slash too many, Rocky Horror Picture Show visual too gag many memes, in the too audio. Many memes. Make that happen. Go. <laughs> this is Elijah, Star Trek Online News, Sync 2. This is Anthony, Star Trek Online News, Sync 2. This is Tony, Star Trek Online News, Sync 4 to the power of 12, minus 47. Go. Hercules, Hercules. This is Skivvy, Sync 4. Two. So did no Elijah. Dues. Elijah oh. said sink two too. Oh, I. Yeah, I missed Elijah oh, said wow. sink two. Elijah said oh, sink two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, well, it doesn't matter. Wait, we're no, all sinking. I was so. We're all. I was so together. I, oh wow. We're synced. Okay. Yeah, I have... Ready? Stone news. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand- Brandon, <laughs> Randon, and Dandon. I got it. I got it right this time. <clears throat> What did you say last time? Thanks to our audio. I said Brand said last Brand. time. Brand, Rand, and Dan. Last you, just, you went right through it. Brand, Rand, and Dan. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.